Hello and welcome to episode five of the Word on Wellbeing, Meridian Wellbeing's fortnightly now, I think it is, uh, podcast where we bring the latest updates on the world of wellbeing and mental health. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the COVID vaccine and its effect um, on the pandemic. Um, I am very fortunate to have uh, Dr. Louise Miller, a GP and Barnett's clinical mental health lead with me today. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, Dr. Miller. Hey there, very, very glad to have been asked to talk on this podcast. A very well, important subject. It is. I, I completely agree. You know, vaccination is something which is uh, obviously very topical. Um, and I, I think as we've already begun briefly discussing before we began recording, you know, this is this is probably one of the only ways that we're going to be moving out of the out of a pandemic. So we need to, um, you know, we need to be ensuring that those who who can receive the vaccine are getting themselves vaccinated and that we are tackling some of the myths that going that, that are floating around. Yeah, and I think I'd just like to reiterate, there are a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of garbage out on um, Twitter and um, social media, and really people need to look at the science behind things and uh, look at um, the evidence and not be swayed by um, social media um, to not have a very, very important vaccine which could uh, potentially save your life. I completely agree. And I think, I mean, it's interesting. I was reading an article just before this and they were talking about social media, but this, this was in the context of the uh, recent uh, riot slash violence slash uh, mm. insurrection or whatever you want to call it that happened in Washington, Washington, yeah. DC last week. And the, the way that social media had kind of um, not only kind of uh, got that all riled up and got that organized, but also kind of encouraged it and uh, obviously, you had uh, various bits and pieces of his going on there, and you're you're completely right. There is so much going on. Social media is that kind of double edge where it gives anyone the ability to kind of make have their voice heard by potentially you know millions, if not billions, of people. Um, but it also means that very dangerous language and messages can very quickly take off. Uh, and when we come to something like, I suppose, uh, something like a vaccine, where people are you know none, very few of us in the world are medical experts. You know, so something which uh, we goes into our body and when, you know, it, you know, some people are going to be a little bit sort of unsure about that. Um, and that's when that kind of that potential kind of dangerous, those dangerous ideas and messages can, can take hold. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's really where, you know, organizations like ourselves and, and so many others around um, are really trying to do everything we can to ensure that people feel safe and comfortable and have access to the right information. And um, I think, uh, as we talked um, earlier, that uh, we talked a little bit about vaccines and some of us are a little bit too young to, to remember what it was like pre-vaccine um, era and maybe the, only the elderly population remember that, um, where children were offered now vaccinations, which previously um, we would have died from. And vaccination, I think we take for granted really a little bit in this country. Um, and there are quite a few people that get concerned about them, but without it, we would be in a much worse state. And I think I just urge people to look at the science if they're, if they're unsure about something to really just look at the scientific evidence and not to take so too much notice of hearsay and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. But really just look at the studies and evidence, because there's a lot of um, evidence for our new COVID vaccinations. And that's something I really wanted to highlight um, a bit today. So I think you wanted um, <clears throat> to me to tell you about what a vaccine is, first yeah, of all. Yeah. What is it? You know, I, I think most people would have heard about, uh, you know, the vaccine or, um, you know, kind of uh, at some point or another, more than likely have had some sort of injection or something 
you know, sharp bit of metal that goes into your body. And I personally, I should, I should begin by saying, I'm not a fan of uh, needles and I'm not a fan of being injected. Uh, you know, I've given blood, I've been inoculated on various occasions. So I can understand why people might not want to get stabbed with a piece of, uh, well, they're probably not even made of metal anymore. Who knows what they're made of, some sort of super material. <laughs> but, you know, these things, as you said, people save, save people's lives and the world before vaccination was very different and a lot of people died. Uh, and we are very fortunate to live in a time where we do have access to the uh, the vaccines that we do. So, well, so first of all, a vaccine, <clears throat> there's lots of different types of vaccines, um, but there are three main ones that are available um, in the UK at present. Um, there's one called the Pfizer-BioNTech and there's a new one that's coming out, which is the Oxford-AstraZeneca. And there's a third one called the Medina vaccine. Now, the reason I mentioned three of them is they two of them work slightly differently to the other one. So none of them you can get COVID for. They are not COVID. We're not being injected with COVID va- at all. So um, two of them are, um, so that's the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, um, which are currently being offered now are mimicking so they they are made to look a little bit like covid so when it's injected into your body your body thinks oh this is covid vaccine um covid and produces antibodies and this is our response to um any infection to try and fight off an infection we produce antibodies and so that when um we do and um, encounter the um, actual virus, our body already has these antibodies ready to make more very, very quickly. And that's how that works. Um, Now, the the third vaccine, the Oxford vaccine, is actually, it is a virus, but it's a harmless virus. And it's been altered again to look like COVID. So they're all trying to pretend to be COVID, um, these different vaccines, and they trick our body into responding as though it is um, COVID. Uh, when when um, it's faced with COVID. So I hope that um, is clear. So I mentioned at the moment, um, the Pfizer um, vaccine has already been um, given. Um, it was approved in early December. Um, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine was uh, been started from the 4th of January. And the third vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, um, has been approved from the 8th of January and will be introduced in the early spring. So at the moment, there's only two vaccines being given, the Pfizer one and the Oxford AstraZeneca. So far, we've had 1.5 million people have been given their first dose of vaccine. So already we're off to a flying start with vaccination, um, which I'm very, very pleased about. But obviously we've got quite a ways to go. There's quite Mm. a few more people in the country to vaccinate. The scale of the, of the vaccination um, is that it will take some time for people to be vaccinated. The other thing to know is that we're supposed to have two um, vaccinations. So one does not give you enough um, protection against the COVID virus, so you would need two vaccinations to be fully protected. So, that, so I mean, that, there's a lot of information there that, that, that really kind of, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, the fact that very categorically, um, whilst these three vaccines might be made from slightly different bits and pieces, you know, they are, they cannot give you the virus, you cannot contract the coronavirus COVID-19 from these right. vaccines, they are a way of, you know, they're a way of uh, teaching your body how to create the antibodies it needs in order to, um, to fight off the virus like so many other vaccines do. Um, it does take two weeks after having had your vaccination 
for your body um, to mount this immune response, this antibody um, production. So it is possible still to get COVID even after you've had the vaccination, particularly in the first couple of weeks. So some some people, um, we, I mean, we get this quite a lot with flu vaccinations. So they will have a vaccination and then say, well, I got flu afterwards. But it is not possible to get flu from the flu vaccine. What it means is that it means whilst your body was trying to to um, adjust and mount an immune response, unfortunately, you have succumbed to uh, flu. You've actually been um, given flu from another source um, and managed to catch um, flu that oh, really? way. So the, same, so the same thing will happen with COVID. Um, so even if you've had your vaccination, if in the next two weeks you're exposed to a severe case of COVID or for whatever reason you come across someone with COVID, you could still catch COVID. So it's actually really important that even after vaccination, we still maintain social distancing, hand hygiene and wearing um, uh, protective um, equipment still. That's, I mean, that sounds very sensible, you know, um, even as, as you said, because there is that time delay between the, you know, being inoculated and the, uh, you know, and your body becoming immune, it is still sensible, you know, and you should be taking the proper precautions. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose we also have the kind of practicalities of, um, you know, kind of we're still under a uh, under a pandemic, and therefore even if you are inoculated, you should still be taking, you know, the steps that are being asked of you to, you know, to, to protect other people, um, you know, because there are unfortunately still so many people out there who who uh, have not been inoculated and, and still could catch the virus. Well, so so the other thing um, that we we still do not know um, about people who've had the vaccination is that if you've had the vaccination, whether you could still pass COVID on to other people. Um, okay. We think we think you can't. It's the 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 risk is lower, but that we don't have much scientific evidence for that yet. So we have a lot of scientific evidence for the vaccine, um, the way it's been produced. It has gone through rigorous um, vaccine testing, which all our vaccines do in this country. Um, and it has um, passed all of all the regulation authorities um, necessary uh, precautions to to be allowed on um, to be given to patients. So it's perfectly safe. But I said there's still some things that we, we do not know 100 percent about the vaccination, how it interacts with the COVID virus. From but that, that point of, of course, isn't to say that there's anything, any, there is any risk. It's simply to say that we don't necessarily have the, the enough evidence to categorically say one way. Exactly, because enough studies haven't yet been been um, performed. Exactly, and I, I suppose obviously the the uh, um, burden of proof or whatever you want to call it within the scientific community is always going to be much much higher because you want to see the clear clear evidence and facts. That something is the case, and that, and that makes sense. But you know, clearly, these, you know, these, as you said, these, these three vaccines, uh, the two already in circulation, the one that coming out later in the spring, you know, have been rigorously tested. And the fact that we've managed to go from a, uh, you know, effectively had to go from a kind of running start uh, last year to having three vaccines is a pretty ma- amazing reflection on, on the kind of um, biomedical industry and the kind of the yeah. NHS and everything else the fact that we can create those in such a short period of time get them safe get them trialed and get them out to help people so we've never seen um, such a scale of production of a vaccine before and it's been really a multinational collaboration throughout the world all the studies that have gone into um, proving that these vaccines first work and are effective and also their safety has meant collaboration between a lot of different countries and trials between countries which normally does not happen 
Mm. Uh, but because of the response for COVID, this has resulted in, a, in a, an, an international response to try to um, develop vaccines safely and very, very quickly. And so that's part of the reason this has come out so so quickly. Um, I know for some people there was concern um, about that, that feeling that all the necessary um, checks and all the necessary um, tests have not been done because it sort of been rushed out in some way, but that has not happened. Um, what's happened is because of a collaboration between countries, they've been able to run trials in tandem. So at the same time, rather than one after the okay. other, which is what normally would happen with um, vaccine development. I think that's very important to know. And, you know, I mean, clearly the the, the scientists, the doctors, the, the the industries that created these these vaccines, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't want the vaccine to go wrong. They want people to be OK. So they're not going to rush things. You know, they're going to take all the reasonable precautions they can. They're going to make sure it's tested. So these vaccines haven't been rushed. It's just the fact that, as you said, that they were able to, through collaboration, they were able to ensure that these vaccines were um, produced in such a manner and uh, mm-hmm. were trialled in such a manner to make sure that they are safe to go out. And the fact that we were able to do that in such a short period of time is quite amazing. And I suppose it won't, in some ways, you know, one would hope that in the future, hope when we've moved past this pandemic, that there is a lesson there about the kind of collaboration and the kind of spirit of collaboration and how it can actually um, help more people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with profits and all that kind of jazz, uh, within reason, uh, but certainly sort of, you know, that kind of collaboration and working together for a common good can certainly sort of speed the processes up and perhaps create new things that we weren't, didn't think were possible before. Yes, well, as we've seen over the last um, eight, nine months, you know, positive things have come out of the COVID pandemic. Mm. Sometimes it's hard to to think about them and hard to, to fathom them um, when a lot of things that we, we, we want or um, how much has changed around us but actually some good has come out of this and like you said this is a, a collaborative effort which maybe we could use again in the future to help with other things um, and it shows how when we all work together positive things can happen. I think that's very true and it's you know I mean I suppose the, what, the, something that we need to sort of perhaps have a bit of a chat about now is the fact that we have these uh, two almost three vaccines and how do we get them to the people that that, that need them obviously the, the UK's population is something like 70 million, I think, something like that. Yeah, I think uh, so. As of this morning, um, I think the, the vaccines minister, Nadine Zawari, um, has said that 2.4 million people in the UK he said have been 2.4. I got my figures yesterday from no, 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 1.5, no, no, no. but I think, I think over the weekend we've probably yeah. done some more. Well, you know, a, a couple of million, uh, well, a million more. No, but uh, no, but I, I, the fact that, you know, we've, again, from that, we've taken that literally from starting at zero, we've just, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're cracking on, but there is a difficulty there. How do you vaccinate 70 million approximate people? I, I suppose maybe half of that, you know, some of them are going to be children and things like that. Um, but what's the plan at the moment about getting the vaccine to the people that need it? What is the current guidelines about so who... what What's happening at present um, is that we're offering um, the COVID vaccine to uh, people at highest risk. Um, okay. So we, we started off um, with care home residents and workers and people over 80 um, and also some frontline healthcare workers. So, so high that, risk that's means, sorry. High risk means those most likely to contract the virus. Yes, exactly. Okay. So people who are um, most likely to contract it, and so that started um, uh, just before Christmas, so a couple of weeks ago, um, and now slowly uh, other people are being invited forward um, for the vaccine. 
So um, after that, so we've got over 80s uh, being offered the vaccine to anybody over 80. The next will be over 75s. Um, the next after that will be over 70s with anybody with underlying health conditions. So people with diabetes, people that um, have, are immunosuppressed in some ways, so that means their immune system um, is perhaps not as healthy as yeah. others, um, would be invited um, with a priority. Then after that, it would be over 65s. Then we've got, after that, a younger group, so that would be 18 to 64, again, with people with underlying health conditions, that would mean they would be more susceptible to being very unwell if they were to catch the virus. Um, and then we go 60 plus, 55 plus 50. But, but we're looking that this is probably gonna take um, several months to achieve. Mm. Um, and, and just um, something that I think I, I might have mentioned to you before this podcast is that at the moment, uh, GP surgeries are not um, doing the vaccines um, themselves. Okay. They've formed a sort of consortium, if you like, a group. Um, and they are being patients are being offered to go to a particular vaccine site to have their vaccinations done. Um, and so we would urge people not to contact your own GP directly because they're not actually going to be giving you the vaccine at present that's um, really useful to know some of this may change i have to say this is a bit of an evolving process part of the reason that we've had to form these big groups at the moment is because of the delivery of the vaccine we've got at present which requires that it is held at um, a very cold temperature and cannot be moved um, now, the, the new one of the newer vaccines, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, doesn't have the same um, restrictions on it, can be kept in a fridge. So we may see over the next few months the, the pattern of, of how we're distributing the vaccine change slightly. Um, and I'm sure there will be plans to do that um, at some point. But for now, they're all being offered at specific vaccination centres um, and you will be called um, when you're in, in those one of those priority groups to come and have your vaccine. So that's really useful to know. So obviously, uh, uh, for now, as it is, uh, so it's the uh, the 11th of January. So obviously, as we're recording, these are the facts and regulations as they are as of today. Yeah. I mean, it, that's really useful to know about, um, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, where the vaccination is taking place and how people are contacted. Um, you know, so it's not a matter of going, phoning someone up and saying, I would like the vaccine. You will be contacted when you fit in, you know, if you fit into these kind of key uh, categories of those who are the most at risk currently within the UK. Obviously, uh, you know, there are, I, I imagine that's a really big project to undertake. I mean, I don't know how many millions of people that is, but I imagine it's probably going to be several million people. Uh, and I think my understanding is that the government's current plan or grand target or whatever you want to call it is to try and vaccinate those that that those high risk groups or is it the top four at least by mid mid february or something like yeah, that. yeah some something like that yeah it's quite ambitious but we seem to be getting off to a flying start so uh, i'm very confident that uh, my colleagues are going to be able to achieve that uh, i mean that that i i yeah i i i think that's a big undertaking as you said it but it's uh you know i suppose when it comes to people's lives we have to be ambitious and we have to be trying to do as long as obviously those on the ground and the you know the nhs are getting the proper support and funding that they need to do this but um as far as um within within the r borough within barnet um could you tell us a bit about so it's obviously the the vaccination is not taking place at the surgeries um is there a current uh, vaccine 
depot or vaccines? Well, no, well, it is taking place at some surgeries, but oh, as sorry, I say, we're right. forming a sort of cohort. Oh, I so see. Ah, okay. A group of five surgeries have come together and they will offer it in one surgery. Um, and that that's how so it's not necessarily at your GP surgery where you'll be getting the vaccine it might be at a different surgery um, so yeah so that's happening and also um, hospitals vaccinating um, patients and staff at present as well. Okay so vaccinations are happening within the borough but again it's very much a they will contact you and let you know if you need to be vaccinated it's not a matter of going to your doctor's surgery and asking to be vaccinated. That's correct yeah yeah that makes sense correct. and obviously we, we we do want to sort of say to people you, you know unless absolutely necessary you shouldn't be going you know you shouldn't be sort of going out and about and all that kind of jazz because we're under a lockdown at the moment for for a very good reason mm. that the uh, pandemic particularly with the new variant you know the, the the number of cases is rising so you really need to be sort of um, listening to the regulations and rules within your area making sure that you're following them um, you know not only for for your own sake but for everyone's sake it's not just your life it's uh, everyone's life anyway uh, all the bits and pieces aside you know it is true that we all you know we do need to be working together within this and we do need to be supporting um, each other to the best of our ability and part of uh, part of that is um, is following the regulations that uh, that that are being expected of us because it's not a matter of uh, just wanting to shut down people's liberties and freedoms. Um, you know, governments don't take these decisions lightly. Um, they're doing it because there are no other options. You know, until the vac vaccine takes hold, it's the best that we can do. I suppose another point to to make about the vaccination is that um, if you have um, vaccination um, within your family, then you may be able to protect your um, relatives, so elderly relatives and other family members from actually contracting COVID. Um, because if you don't get COVID, then you're less likely to pass it on. The, there is something that we call the herd immunity uh, effect, which you see in vaccination. So that if you um, vaccinate uh, the majority of a group um, of individuals, then the more, even if there's a very small number of individuals that haven't received the vaccine, they're le much less likely to, to contract um, the virus. So that, so that's something to take into account if you're, again, a bit not sure about whether you should have the vaccination. I mean, I urge you to think about your family, think about your friends, and you know, you really are, would be helping to protect them as well. It's not not just yourself. If, even if you feel that you're, you'd be fine if you caught caught COVID, um, which I wouldn't urge you to think. But um, <laughs> yes, I do. I do remember. Um, some yeah. viewers, uh, viewers, listeners may remember from the first episode in which uh, Dr. Miller appeared that she uh, told us that she had previously contracted the virus in the past and uh, fortunately is now better but uh, I, I doubt it's something that anybody would really want to go through so certainly sort of mm -hmm. you know getting vaccinated um, you know if you're within those high-risk categories getting vaccinated is 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 what you should be doing. And, and another um, question which had come up I noticed another um, vaccine forum was that if you have already had Covid and you're offered to have the vaccination you should still have it because we don't know once you've had COVID, how long your body will um, be able to protect you for against COVID. Um, so for instance, I had it very much earlier last year in April. Um, we don't really know whether, uh, how long my antibodies would have lasted in my body. They may have all completely disappeared by now. So if I'm offered the vaccine, then I should have it because I say we don't know how long our, our natural immunity will last. Um, and having the um, vaccine helps to boost that immunity again. That's that's a you know that's a very interesting point, and it does bring us onto quite a important part of this of this podcast, which is talking about some of those you know trying to kind of uh, 
fact check, myth bust some of the bits and pieces that are floating around at the moment. You know, we have, uh, for example, at the moment, we have a, a new variant of the coronavirus, which is um, making the rounds, as it were. It's sort of, you know, I'm sort of coming live from the southeast, which was one of the first areas that it, that it appeared in. Um, and my understanding is as far as the, the vaccines, the, the vaccines will work perfectly well on this new variant. That's correct. Yep. So th there have been some evidence to say that it's very effective against that new strain. Definitely. So I imagine that, you know, that's quite a, you know, a, a, quite a relief really that the, you know, that these vaccines are that are effective against um, this, this new variant. And I suppose along with that, we have, it's something we talked about earlier that often people are, you know, because of when it comes to things that are very kind of scientifically grounded, not everyone is an expert and therefore it's very easy to kind of misunderstand or kind of get the wrong idea, particularly when it comes to the idea of having a sharp piece of sharp object shoved into your body. So, you know, whilst people may have concerns, you know, the scientists and the science is there to show that these vaccines are safe and that they are, uh, the, the best way we have of moving out of the pandemic. So as, as Dr. Miller said, you know, if you are, you know, if you're able to get vaccinated, you should be getting vaccinated. I think the only thing perhaps to, the other thing to talk about would be the side effects of vaccines, because um, all vaccines do have side effects, because part of our body's response to these vaccines, as, as we said earlier, is to produce antibodies um, to help fight off infection. When that happens, you can temporarily feel a little bit unwell. So after having um, the COVID vaccination, sometimes people do feel very tired, maybe even have a headache, feel a bit achy, have some symptoms of flu, but these should be very short lived. They should only last a day or two. And so again, I just wanna stress, this is not COVID. You're not getting COVID, um, but it's really your body's response to, to the, the effect of what's happening to it. And it's producing these antibodies because it feels that it is being under threat. Um, and so it's behaving like that, but I say only temporarily. Um, so you should not be unwell, severely unwell with it. And if you are, then um, you need to seek other medical help because it's not the vaccine that's making you unwell. I suppose and that's really useful to know because, I mean, I guess we forget that things like, uh, you know, uh, a raised temperature or a runny nose are our body's way of trying to overcome something that's making it unwell. So if you are feeling slightly unwell, it is because your body is is getting up and getting itself ready to, to, to fight the virus. So, um, you know, that's really useful to know. And it kind of reiterates that point that we mentioned earlier that you can't contract the virus from the vaccines. And it's there's, there's a lot of nonsense floating around the Internet, unfortunately, about it. And I, I mean, I don't really think it's worth kind of or it deserves to be spoken about a lot of it. Um, particularly things, uh, you know, some of the kind of uh, I think there's always going to be people who want to believe the worst. And that's a shame. But I think this is this is an occasion where, um, you know, there's a lot of fear going around. Actually, it doesn't help uh, when people wanting to spread things which are quite often dangerous. You know, it's it's the same not, well, not the same, but it's similar to what we had last year with people spreading rumours about the face masks and you know, it, it, the kind of madness that goes with that. And uh, at this time where so many people are so afraid, that kind of uh, rumour mongering and uh, fear spreading is is very dangerous, um, particularly if you're a vulnerable person. Mm. Well, perhaps because um, the, the virus has affected our lives so severely and in an unprecedented way. I mean, we would never have expected to to have these measures in place where we're having to wear masks around public places, socially distance, and the world has changed quite rapidly over a few months, and that can be quite frightening for people. And so then to be faced with another thing, which again is a bit challenging and makes people feel a little bit unsure, 
um, when you're already in that place where you're feeling a bit uncertain about things um, can make it much more difficult. So I say I, I am a scientist. I look at science. I try not to take too much notice of gossip and hearsay. <laughs> um, and that, you know, the evidence um, is in favour of the vaccine. And I say that when you look at how a vaccine works and what it does in your body, it, it all makes sense to me um, and how um, how unnecessary it is in fact for us to to use these things to to help prevent um, death and mortality and how lucky we are to have the science to develop them i think that's very true i think that's very true so if we were going to uh, sort of very briefly sum up this uh, public service announcement on the uh, on, on on the vaccine so yeah the vaccine is safe well, what, one thing we haven't mentioned before we sum up, up is that people, um, there have been some um, allergies that have been noticed with okay. the vaccine. So if people have serious allergies, so talking about people who have multiple allergies to um, different drugs normally, um, or it, it is drug related, then um, they are at high risk of having um, a severe allergic reaction to a vaccine. Having said that, that this is very similar to other vaccines. Mm. So people who do sometimes develop allergies to a vaccine, to a component of a vaccine, um, and therefore it would be dangerous for them. So that is the only side effect. The only real problem we've seen with this vaccine is that people with serious allergies have reacted with an allergic reaction, which happens within the first 15 minutes of being given the vaccine. So after you've had your vaccine, you're asked to remain um, present um, within the building where you've had the vaccination for 15 minutes so you can be observed to make sure you're not going to have one of these allergic reactions but if you've never had an allergic reaction no. to anything before you're very unlikely to have yeah. that um, and normally this is picked up before you had the vaccine anyway so they would be you know giving you extra special observation so I think that that's just something that is a general thing for vaccinations but in particular it has been noted with this that's really and I think it was reported in the news as well so just is it really, um, to lay people that's really interesting i mean it's not something i mean quite clearly i'm not from a clinical background but that is that is a very um it shows that you know that the, the, not only the science is there but the kind of clinical um experiences there is to say that you know some people do have these reactions and therefore we need to put the procedures in place and the fact that those procedures are already in place shows that you know the rollout of this vaccine is taking is being taken incredibly seriously and everything that can be done to make it safe and effective is being done um you know and we have a fantastic you know we're very fortunate to have such a fantastic health service and infrastructure in this country um and we're very fortunate to, to have the kind of scientific expertise to have these you know to have this kind of vaccine rollout going on um and clearly sort of part of our role as as, as the the lay person the people on the street and the public is to do everything we can to ensure that we're not increasing the burden on those on that infrastructure as it's trying to roll out this vaccine yeah exactly yeah well i think we are fortunate if we look to our cousins in yes. america they're not having such a, a great time with the vaccine rollout over there i don't think it's yes it's uh i mean america is a very complex country um you know it's sort of effectively 50 countries really um it's uh i personally and maybe this comes from my own kind of um privilege to have growing up in the UK I don't understand the idea I don't understand a country where you couldn't have a health service a public health service like we have the NHS and that is probably my own privilege because I know not all countries have uh, even European countries have a health service but I, I can't imagine the idea of um, you hear these horrendous stories about people having to choose between healthcare and feeding their children and all these bits and pieces and you think 
how could how could a you know how could a how could any kind of civilized country in the 21st i think the 21st century allow its population to 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 have to make those sort of decisions uh but i mean again maybe that's just my own privilege uh i think we're very fortunate in the uk to have the nhs you know and certainly sort of i wouldn't want to be in going through this situation in some of the other countries in the world where they don't have that sort of infrastructure no agreed and i think that's you know our strength um in the uk um is that we are able to roll this out um, nationally throughout the country and hopefully this will help prevent the spread and get us all a little bit more back to normal well here's hoping that we are um, maybe not the end of the year maybe this time next year things are a bit closer to the normality but perhaps some of the some of the positive um kind of community spirit and the kind of sense of um support that that's come out over the last year hopefully we don't lose that because I think that's a positive thing. And also the, you know, that kind of scientific collaboration, hopefully that's something that we can see going ahead as well. But uh, no, that's, that's, that's been really useful. Thank you, Dr. Miller. So if we just very, very sort of briefly to sum up, so obviously we've got three vaccines at the moment, two are currently being rolled out. One will be rolled out later in the spring. They're all safe. They will not do anything to you um, other than, cure, you know, other than uh, obviously vaccinate you. You may feel slight. You're more than welcome to jump in and correct me if I say anything wrong, by the way. No, I'm waiting for you to slip <laughs> oh, right. up and make a mistake you may, and I'm going to correct you. <laughs> you may feel, you know, you may feel uh, some slightly unwell after being vaccinated, but this is very, uh, you know, this is no different from any other vaccination and those symptoms will pass. If the symptoms continue, more than likely you've contracted something else and you need to go and see your doctor. If you have... Uh, severe allergies you may have uh you, you could have a reaction to the, the to the vaccination but obviously the the vaccination center is taking steps to try and support people to make sure that they that is picked up before it ha- well you know pick, it's picked up so it doesn't escalate um, well, they should ask you before you have your vaccine as well so that's exactly just one of the that. pre-vaccination questions so it, it should be picked up by that as well and that's really and then obviously finally that the there are um you know there are a number of categories of people who are at more risk of getting the virus such as people in care homes or people who are over the age of 80 i think you said and that and obviously key workers and frontline staff and that they are current the current priority because they're the most at risk but they are being contacted by the vaccine centers it's not a case of going to them or phoning them up or tweeting them or anything like that you will be contacted if you're in those categories to get vaccinated i think i've covered everything <laughs> yeah that's great oh and just a bit more hope for the future that there are some um many more vaccines um i was looking last night that are being developed and so we may see more vaccines before the end of the year um, and the science behind that is that the COVID vaccine can mutate, so it can change slightly. And so just one vaccine is not enough, actually, to combat the virus. So we need multiple vaccines um, to help prevent it mutating and help preventing it spreading. So, so although at the moment, so beginning of January, we've got these three vaccines, by the end of the year, by the summer, we may have others because um, they are currently being developed and hopefully we'll start seeing those coming forward. I said, but look at the science, look at the studies um, and go with that. Don't listen to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, that, that is fair enough. That is fair enough. I suppose actually an interesting question for, for, for speaking to someone, to, you know, obviously speaking to a GP, is it worse to be vaccinated or to give someone a vaccination? <laughs> 
Well, it's good fun giving a vaccination. Oh, it's not God. good fun being stabbed in the arm, then your, your arm is a little bit <laughs> sore afterwards. But having said that, the, the actual amount of vaccine is incredibly small. You, you're getting 0.3 of a milliliter. So, um, so that's, you know, the tiniest little drop, couple of drops on a teaspoon is what you're actually being given. Um, again, I say I marvel at the science that, that that little tiny bit goes into your body and your body, you know, produces this amazing response to what it thinks is the virus um, and helps combat what it thinks is the virus and helps protect you. I think that's very true. And I, it, it, it sort of chimes with something which I've long thought uh, and often said, which is we're very fortunate in many ways to live in the age and I suppose in the in the country that we are that we do where we have, you know, we have the options that we do have, that we have this health service, which is able to provide us with these, um, these protections. Uh, you know, we, we are very fortunate. And obviously, unfortunately, mm. there aren't so many people, there are people who are not so as fortunate in the world. Uh, and hopefully they will get access to the vaccine as soon as possible as well. So no, I think, I, I think, so. that's, I think yeah. that's very true. So today we've been discussing the vaccine, uh, the, 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 the undeniable fact that this vaccine is safe and it is the best way uh, these vaccines I should say are the best way of uh, us returning to normal as uh, whatever that means now but getting out of the pandemic um, getting out of lockdown and ensuring that uh, everyone is able to live their lives and um, so I'd like to thank my fantastic guest once again Dr Louise Miller uh, for um, speaking to me today and fact checking me and making sure that I stayed on topic um, it was really fantastic to speak to you again so thank you Dr Miller Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.